of my Bitch and Wine Talk show. I'm your host, Stephen Lane, with my trusty and crusty colleague, <laughs> Mr. Chester the Nightfly Northfield. Good morning, Chester. Good morning, Stephen. Oh, okay. It is a morning, isn't it? It's a hospitality morning. I mean, technically, it's not a Hosp- morning. Yeah, hospitality, hospitality morning. morning. Yes, yes. Were you working last night? I was. <laughs> I was working as well. Oh, man. Slaying the good juice, fighting the good fight. Oh, I was there till three. Yes. Three. Well, see, uh, I work in the village, so we, uh, <laughs> we oh, pack you, it in a little cl- earlier. You close up shop early. <laughs> we close up shop yeah. early. Oh. So, uh, what do we have this week, Chester? We have 2016 California Cabernet Sauvignon from Cannonball. 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 <laughs> all right. So that's all it says on the label. The rest of the... We have a thing about labels, if you haven't heard any of We've our previous episodes. Yeah, but labels in particular. It says Cannonball, Cabernet Sauvignon, 2016, California. And then it's got a nice linoleum cut print of a child in a cannonball position hovering about a foot over some water. That he's about to do the cannonball dive into. Yeah. Is it a dive? Well, it's not. It? I think it's, it's it actually, the, it says on the top of the uh, screw cap. Thank you very much, cannonball. We want to uh, applaud you for your use of the screw cap. Oh, yeah. On Thank the top, you. it says dive in. That, which I find interesting. I didn't know that cannonball was a form of dive. I thought it was more of a, a jump. Yeah, like an acrobatic or a leap maneuver. Or a gesture. Let's, uh, let's find out how the screw cap sounds. Ooh, I like that. I like that. It's kind of somewhere between uh, a cork popping and a beer cracking. You yeah, know? you know, it sounds like all the living cork trees communally sighing in relief together. There is something. There's something to that for sure. All right. Oh, we've got a, we've got a rogue uh, rogue drip, and I've forgotten my Lido. <laughs> but um, guess what? Doesn't matter. Oh, thank you, Tito. Tito Lido. <laughs> Tito Lido. Very nice. Uh, okay. Shall we dive in, so to speak? Yes. No pun intended. Let's see here. Uh, Appearance-wise, here, Cannonball Cabernet Sauvignon, 2016, uh, Appalachian, nice. California. Nice, thick, and jammy look. Quite opaque. you got to get a lot of light through it before you start to see any ruby through the middle. I've seen more opaque wines in this price category and from this area and in this style. Um, but yes, definitely on the kind of, you know, nice ruby violet violet deep ruby characters a little bit of a purplish tinge yeah. um so yeah i mean you almost know, like it, a fall red in there when you swirl it there's something about this color fall that kind red. of starts to concern <laughs> me you know I, I i always oh what does that mean what's well, concerning you I, I mean the way it looks it looks to me um you're uh, you're talking about something that i don't know about i i find it for cabernet sauvignon i find this looks a little bit purple hmm uh, which you know could mean any number of things. It just does not look to me like I expect. Uh, I, I don't find it appealing. Why? What? What should it look like? Well, not should, but what would you? What like sort of look, look would you more expect from a Cabernet Sauvignon? Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon. I'd like it to Wild. look a little bit less purple. I'd like it to look more in the kind of ruby. If there's going to be anything, you know, if it's a really a premium wine. Let's let's keep in mind this is uh, we're in British Columbia here. This is costing twenty eight ninety nine at your local BC liquor store. Mm. Um, you know, if you're going to go for the extracted look, uh, I want it to look almost a little bit more black. What, what do you mean extracted look? Like there's a lot of ex- color extraction. Like we've really really done a good solid long soak on the skins. Okay, uh, so during, now you're just saying it would extracted yeah, maceration. Look means it's going to be darker. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, for a $30 wine, I'm not finding this, you know, it doesn't look like that it has that extracted quality. It looks almost like it's going to be juicy, jammy. Um, I'm expecting some residual sugar um, to be present here. Um, but earlier when you said I would like it to look 
that way. When you say I would like it to look, is that just your personal preference, or or are you talking about something with regards to Cabernet Sauvignon? <laughs> Clown. <laughs> that, uh, that we should. No, like, I mean, it's what? A, why? Why is? It's a bit of that. I just, I, I there's something about the wines. You, you take, you eat with your eyes first. Hmm. Uh, this doesn't look like any Cabernet that I've tasted that was delicious. Ooh. It looks like a Cabernet that I've tasted that may have been manufactured or. What do you mean you manufactured? Know, uh, probably has some color added to it. Um, like you know, food dye? Kind of, yeah. There's mm. you know, some agents that... Uh, you know, we can't say that for sure. You know, sorry, 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 Dennis Hill at Cannonball, if that's not the case. We're not uh, making accusations here. Um, we're merely riffing on the industry and on the category uh, of which you are a part of. So apologies in advance. Sorry, not sorry. Um, What's the reach of this wine? Like, are, how much are they producing? That's a good question. Um, I was not able to find that information on the website. Uh, but I mean, this stuff's everywhere. I've seen it. It's a big brand. I mean, their their approach when they launched in two thousand six, um, or when they you know started this company in two thousand six, was to make the best, most approachable, fun California Cabernet Sauvignon under twenty dollars. Hmm. So um, that feels like a red flag already. <laughs> it does to me. It does to me. Uh, for sure, but um, we've been really critical and we haven't even tasted it. Should we? Give That's it a, true. Why yeah, don't we yeah. give it a sniff? All right, all right. Let, let, let's try and let's try and be uh, right. nonpartisan here. From a less educated standpoint, I I actually do like the color. I like. I mean, this just looks like big, juicy, thick and delicious. I'd feel better about this if it was Malbec or Shiraz. Oh, okay, well, I do love me such varietals. Yeah, I just don't think it looks like. Uh, like Cabernet Sauvignon. So would you I mean, say characteristically like this varietal's going to be a little less little less thick than Malbec and Shiraz? It depends on the style. Okay. Depends and, on the style. and region, I Cabernet suppose. Sauvignon certainly, you know, in a in in, in their kind of most uh prodigious forms, it will be more tannic. Will be the most should be the most tannic of the three. Oh, interesting. I so it'll have that. the thickest skins should produce the darkest color. Uh, well, Shiraz, notwithstanding, I mean, Shiraz can get this kind of really intense, deep, you know, bluish, inky color mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Malbec can kind of have this deep violet kind of color. And I think the great Cabernet Sauvignon that I have had, um, you know, on the more extracted side, tends towards a more blackish um, color, hmm. you know, more blackish and ruby focused. Um, and I find this kind of has elements of all three of those color palettes, which is one of the things that kind of doesn't really excite me when I look at it. Does it make you wonder? Makes me wonder. Hmm. Makes me wonder. That is a, that's the truth. That's a true statement. So cheers. cheers. Hmm. What okay. did, what did you say they were going for when they were asked? In 2006, to make the most approachable. Well, I don't think they were asked. I think they, I think it was their their goal. Oh, their mission. Let's go to their website, drinkcannonball.com. That is www.drinkcannonball.com. Uh, founded in 2006 by a dynamic team of wine industry veterans, who were determined to rock the wine world. The vision was to make the best California Cabernet. I'm assuming that's Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, for those of you listening at home, under twenty dollars. Let's call that U.S. dollars to be safe in the U.S. market. Uh, we're in Canada up here, folks up north. Armed with a belief that wine should be fun, uninhibited, and approachable, they set out to share a splash of Cannonball Cabernet in every glass. Okay, uh, mission statement from Cannonball. Um, let's uh, talk about how it tastes here. Cheddar. Chester. Uh, I mean, for me, would you like me to just pull the pistol out and start... Yeah. Waving it around. Can I just have another moment to think Let's about have another this? moment. Absolutely. You know, it, it kind of... I'm ready to say something nice. Yeah? Yeah. L- let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um... This wine is very easy to drink. Okay, I was going to say something very similar. <laughs> but, it is. It's, but, it's genu- genu- but God is nice. <laughs> genuinely, but I actually would like to extol this, extol a few virtues of this wine and uh, talk about where it might fit 
you know, for, for consumers out there. I mean, this wine is very, very low levels of tannin relatively to the category. Mm-hmm. Most Cabernet Sauvignon... It's still present, though. Even in this... Pre- they're, they're present, but keep in mind, you know, you and I have had a coffee and a muffin. We haven't had any protein to eat this morning, mm. uh, we, you know. Um, I brushed my teeth probably two hours ago. We should do a steak and eggs wine talk show. And I think this wine really is not... I'm not. I'm not begging for uh, for a slice of meat right about now. I feel like I've got enough. You know, just a little bit of that oil from that muffin is kind of. You know, <coughs> I feel coated, and mm. this is not ripping my mouth apart. You know? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, and I haven't. Like I said, we haven't. You know, had a lot of. Uh, you know, we haven't been inundating our palates. We haven't even had lunch yet. I mean, it it can be a compliment to say that something isn't striking. Because you don't want to be struck all the time. That's correct, and I think this is kind of where I'm. I'm falling with uh, my first impressions of this wine. Low tannin, uh, low acid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, very much feels like a singular sheet of kind of, you know, blue and red, f- maybe a few black fruits in there, just kind of gliding. It, it's mellow across my the palate, board, in my opinion. Mellow. Um, inoffensive, certainly. Yeah, mellow and inoffensive, I I think that's very and, and quite honestly, I don't find it. Uh, you know, contrary to a lot of other wines in you know this kind of category, I don't find it overly confected. You know, I'm not. There's residual sugar in here, absolutely, but I don't yeah, find you know it, it's a it's a raspberry, blackberry, a little black currenty. Yep, yep. I mean, things you'd expect, but yeah, it. it I wouldn't say it's a <laughs> a striking representation of any of those fruits. It's kind of like an. Like an average of all three. I would agree. I don't really find... Uh, I'm not really sensing a whole lot of oak influence here. Um, no. If at all. I'm sure there's a little bit. You know, maybe it's a few staves or a few chips or a few seasoned barrels here or there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean... Now, let's let's take this a little deeper. Let's let's take a little drive down the rabbit hole. Uh, maybe I can talk to you a little bit. Oh, I was just going to look at the back. I mean, we will say, I mean, we've both taken two pretty big gulps here and it's been a pretty easy go so i mean there is that um but what does that mean you know for me for me that's it this is very easy to like drinking but i'm gonna have a hard time loving to drink this well let's consider the fact that we also spent 30 dollars on it that in bc that's kind of painful well, I mean, this is to me drinks um, for something so easy, innocuous. Um, it seems, it, it, you know, it, it passes down even my palate, which you know can be kind of a bitch you know, <laughs> once in a while. It, I mean, I, yeah, I'll it's, listen. It's here's a little bitchy. It whines sometimes. The dichotomy <laughs> of my palate is that you know I tend to be a bit ornery, but uh, I also seem to be able to pass anything you know down the tube. Um, I, this wine doesn't make me upset. It should. I would. I mean, that well, that's an interesting statement. Like, it's kind of exactly what I expected. I mean, I, like you know. th- this would be a this would be like a hole in one if you, if you were serving like three bottles of this at a table for eight or ten people, you know, but, because you know everyone's gonna be relatively happy. I. Uh would agree with your sentiment for you know a wine program that was looking to simply get by on something that's easy oh i i wasn't even thinking wine program at like a restaurant i was thinking of like a home dinner when you have like family and friends over who all have wildly different i guess if you you care about not pissing people off and if you if your main goal is to simply exist in you know, some kind of unspoken harmony fit the with bill. people <laughs> fit the bill. But I mean, what is the bill? And I, I just, I just find that to be is a bit flat. It's, it's not an interesting life. Well, that's the thing. If you want to please, uh, you know, a whole coterie of people at a dinner table, you can't be too exciting. I think that's bullshit. When it comes to something as, as personal as like, you know, taste. I mean, I think this is, um, you know, this is kind of this is a big fucking cop out. This makes me mad. Now I'm getting mad. You know? <laughs> well, no, I, so, okay. So think about this. Like, you know, if someone gets up in front of like a wedding party and like a best man and tells an outrageously good story, 
that most of the people really, really like, everyone's going to like this story. But, you know, they're going to be like, oh, man, he did a great job. Whereas, like, something that's as personal as taste, it, it doesn't... It doesn't roll off the tongue in the same way where, you know, someone can taste someone can taste a wine and someone right next to them can taste the same wine. And you're going to have radically different experiences if you compare it to like the best man who's telling a great story. You know, I think it I think it has to do with, you know, in, in some sense, it's like, OK, the human brain is experiencing something. How does that translate across other people when it comes to like a great story, a great movie, you know? Like when it's a slam dunk, it can be striking, it can be amazing, it can be mind blowing. And, you know, it has a, I think it has more of a similar effect across people than a striking, interesting, different wine would. Then you're getting more into like. Um, I think because people are going by. Stephen Lynch, or what's his name? Lynch? Oh my God! David Lynch. David Lynch. Way to go, David edit- Lynch. We're editing that out for your sake. <laughs> David Lynch. You know, a David Lynch film. Not everyone likes it. You know, a lot of people watch it, and like a lot of them are like, "Yeah, okay, whatever that was." But then some people are like, "Oh my God, that was amazing." Do you see the like the sort of difference that I'm trying to make here? I see what you're saying versus like something like Titanic. Ah, uh, maybe that's probably going too far. Well, maybe this is the Titanic. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Somebody did a cannonball off the Titanic, and we ended up with this wine. I'm dead serious. So is it sitting at the bottom of the ocean, rotting away? <laughs> well, I meant more the movie, which I, I would hope that the movie ends up at the bottom of the ocean, rotting away, in the annals of history. Um, okay, let's 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 back up a little bit. Um, I let, why don't we really get into this label? Let's okay. see what this label can tell us about the wine and what kind of story we can draw. We've been able to draw some stories in the past from other wines we reviewed. Um, not reviewed so much as uh, more engaged with. Um, if you remember, if you go back to episode one, episode two, we uh, mm-hmm. analyzed a couple of European wines and we found there was a lot of information mm-hmm. and quite legitimate information to be found on the labels. Um, let's turn that to this wine, the 2016 Cannonball Cabernet Sauvignon uh, from the Appalachian, the AVA American Viticultural Area of California. That's the entire state of California, folks, uh, for those of you listening at home. Uh, Cannonball, what does it tell you? What is it? Is it the name of a family? Is it the name of a winery? Uh, it, it, it's got to, it's a brand. Like- it's a brand. Mr. Cannonball. When you see a pair of <laughs> Nike shoes, does the Nike name tell you where it's made? No, of course not. No, it does not. Does the Cannonball name tell you where this wine is made? Uh, no. No. Does no. it tell you who made it? No, it, it's a brand. Okay, it's a brand. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, we know that that is the. We know that that is at least seventy-five percent of the varietal in this bottle of wine. That is according to uh, the. Laws of California, um, as far as winemaking goes, uh, for varietal labeling. Uh, that is controlled by the ATF, the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Is that just California, or is that going to be like the whole states? Uh, Do you know? That's a good question. Uh, I'm going I'm I'm to say that. I'm going to safely say California for now, but <coughs> we'll find that's for let's let's talk I'll, about that I'll later. I'll look into that. California, if you have 75% Cabernet Sauvignon in the bottle of wine you're producing, you are allowed to call it Cabernet Sauvignon, leading a consumer to believe they are drinking 100% Cabernet Sauvignon, which I would almost guarantee is not the case here. Hmm. What else do you think is in here? Probably I mean, Mer- pro- probably a good hunk of Merlot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not there's anything wrong with that. Well, I quite a, I quite, <laughs> quite love Merlot. I have no qualms about any varietal. I'm not against any varietal. Uh, we should have Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti on here. Yeah, we'll save, we'll save uh, Paul if you're listening, or uh, Miles if you're listening, I should say. We love you. We love you. We're huge fans. Uh, we love what you're doing with Billions, Paul. No one has um, too many vans. Nobody has too many vans. Um, let's carry on. Um, so we have Cannonball. It doesn't tell us much. It's got a picture of a boy doing a cannonball about to splash into some very still-looking waters. What does that tell us about the wine? Nothing. 
Nothing. Nothing. Nothing really. So California, all we know is it's from California. At least the swoosh on the Nike, you know. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> You're supposed to be fast. <laughs> I suppose. So Cabernet Sauvignon from the 2016 vintage um, from California. So we got a pretty big, uh, pretty big state covering here. We're not really sure where this is from. Uh, this could be from the Mere Woods. You know, Central Valley. This could be from Sonoma County. This could be from Mendocino County, Anderson Valley. It could be from, uh, you know, Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz, Santa Rita, you know, Santa Ana, Jack London Square. You know, this could be from the. This could be from the 1980 album by Steely Dan called Gaucho. <laughs> For all we know, except it would be the 2016 album called Gaucho. I mean, so, where, so your point is we're not getting too much information here. That is the point, exactly. So, what do we have? So, where does this leave us? What do is? You, it, do you want to read the back? Would you read it for us, Chester? All right, let's go. We're gonna read the back label of the Cannonball Cabernet Sauvignon. All right, I'm loving this first sentence. The Cannonball. That's that's the first sentence. The Cannonball. Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's just accept <laughs> it. It is the perfect symbol of freedom. Legs tucked beneath you. Soaring through the air, that uninhibited spirit is the soul of Cannonball Wines. We express this in our big, bold Cabernet Sauvignon. It explodes with black cherry, wild berry fruit, and notes of chocolate and oak. The rich texture of this wine lingers long, with a bright, fresh finish. And then, in all capitals, share a splash. I think sometimes you hear what you want to hear. <laughs> you know, I think that's I think that's most true of the people who write. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it's more true of the people who read and the people who write. You know, it's like or, or the people who read the what rela- they are writing. <laughs> the, relation, the relationship uh, between the you know the authors and the readers of these labels. Yeah, it, it gets particularly convoluted when it's the same person. It does. It does indeed. <laughs> um, have we gained any information? Um, just some opinions about what it tastes like. Okay. That's it. All right. Great. Black cherry, wild berry fruit, chocolate oak, rich check texture, lingers, bright, fresh finish. So, okay. So why does this wine routinely fetch $29, $30 in a BC liquor store? <sighs> because it's branded. I think it's because it's, uh, what is it relying on? Well, it's also being vague. You know, you can, you can read whatever you want into this now. Yeah, we've got. Uh, let's see. Um, you, you could actually big and bold and bright and fresh in the same tasty note, which is not. That's not a strange thing. It's not necessarily it's, contradictory. It's not necessarily contradictory, but it seems to. But that could apply to so many wines. It can on, on a large spectrum of bright, bold, and fresh. It certainly can. So basically, we don't know anything about this wine. Thirteen point eight alcohol uh, percentage so by volume. Tiny contains bit sulfites. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen higher. Oh yeah, higher wines. This wine—that's one of the things I was going to mention. Does not really taste that boozy. It's kind of—I like where the alcohol level is. That's you know they've done a good job there. I think the wine is balanced, um, relatively for what it is. Um, certainly lacking complexity, as we were mentioning earlier, lacking complexion. Well, um, I think it's because it's it's so balanced in on all the components that yeah yeah this is not a custom made pair of sneakers. This is. You know, this is a, this is a eighty dollar pair of Nikes. You know, you buy at the outlet factory. It looks cool. You feel cool because you're wearing something that's other people are buying, mm-hmm. and uh, the name is easy to say. Everyone, everyone knows it. Everyone in the world can have it, mm-hmm. and everyone in the world pays a little too much for it. But we're okay with that because we feel like we're part of a group. We feel like we're part of a community of people who want to drink California Cabernet Sauvignon. For you know, less than thirty dollars or around thirty dollars, which is you know basically our twenty dollars, you know, so for would Canadians. You, would you say that the branding in this respect is is kind of like a shortcut to help people feel comfortable and about I think what they already kind of want to do? This is one of the reasons why my approach in this wine is you know, despite what it might seem like to anyone who's being introduced to uh, you know my style of discourse, that's why I'm kind of taking a soft approach in this wine because I think they've they've achieved exactly what they set out to do. Oh, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. There is something to be said for that. So there's I'm not a lot gonna, to be uh, said. I'm not going to say they're bad people. I'm not going to say this is a bad project. I think, you know, this is a lot more safe of a wine than, well, let's say other beverages, you know, 
in a similar category, at least certainly from this dubious and large California Appalachian. I mean, California, remember, is the size of a country. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, California is a large Western European nation of which we would never simply consider there to be one region mm-hmm. that was providing a distinctive style. But we seem to kind of mm-hmm. think that any Cabernet Sauvignon from California is going to deliver a certain set of qualities, whether mm-hmm. they do or whether they don't. We, you know, we should taste, you know, a, a Cabernet from like Southern California and one from Northern California. That's, that's really kind of indicative of, of, of those latitudes and, and see what the difference would be. Well, so, like. Yeah. It's not all about latitude. It's about longitude as well. And how far inland you are. And oh, yeah, fair you know, enough. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors, mm-hmm. um, but, but to, to your point, yeah, I mean, there's, it's a big place. Um, so yeah. yeah. You know, it's a compliment to say that they, they've achieved what they set out to do. And I think you're right there, but what would the intention behind having that is your goal, you know, have something that's super approachable by just about everyone. I mean, you're trying to make money in that case, right? It seems like it's a commercial endeavor for sure. And I think they've been successful in that. I mean, it's widely distributed. I, I know based on some of the, the listings they have that I've seen, um, you know, both here locally in Canada and around the world, um, some pretty major by the glass listings that definitely took a little bit of a, you know, uh, sales tactics, shall we say, to put it politely, to uh, to implement, which means that they have, you know, they, they obviously are, you business know, focused savvy. on they're focused focused on marketing. Yeah, they're well. they're business in this case. Yeah, they are, and uh, there's nothing. We're not saying that's that's below us. We're not saying that. What we are saying is, do we want to drink this? Are we comfortable to recommend this wine? Would we buy it for somebody? Would we say, hey, this is the kind of wine you really want to be drinking? Uh, if you're going to be spending this amount of money. Hmm. Do we think it has merits that garner genuine recommendation based on um, the authentic merits of growing, making, and drinking wine? Well, not if you're Naomi Klein, I mean, considering the labeling. (laughs) Could you go a little step further on that? Uh, She just wrote this book called No Logo, which is all about, like, (laughs) the insidiousness of branding. Well, <laughs> but like, you know, the branding is just like, it's, it's all a shortcut. It's, it's so that you don't have to think about your choice. You know, all that thinking is done for you because, because it's trying to, the branding is trying to convince you in, in ways that are in some respect, totally unrelated to what you're actually going to be purchasing, experiencing, pursuing. I think it's a really fascinating point you're bringing up Chester. And this is really where I saw the conversation going. So where I wanted to go, let's compare this to, um, in episode one, we looked at the, um, Muga bodegas, Muga Rioja Reserva. Uh, I tell you, I bought some of that when I was back in Boston, Good, drank it with some friends. I saw that. That's right. Um, which you should be doing. So, you know, what we found there was, you know, we had a lot of information on the label, but it also to understand that information required a certain amount of, uh, geographical knowledge, uh, enological knowledge, that's wine knowledge. Um, it required knowledge of you know, the certain grape varietals, certain laws mm-hmm. of uh, the area in which the wine came from. If you knew those things, if you're willing to research those things, you had all the information available at your fingertips, literally uh, via Dr. Google. Um, here, it's not so much, but let's let's talk about the consumer. You know, you and I are interested where we have time to, and we genuinely want to find out the real thing about every wine that we're drinking. Um, but if you're the kind of consumer who, you know, doesn't have the capacity, the um, ability or the desire the time. To, or the time to, to research those things, um, you kind of rely or you trust somebody else to do it for you. You have to, you don't and have a choice. If I you think don't have the time. that's, this is where we're going here. And is the, I guess the, the perpetual debate is, is it a good thing? Is it a good thing that we resort to methods like this, like varietal labeling, um, branding of wines? To does that does that bring? I mean, does it ultimately bring new consumers into the category and give them the opportunity to discover something they may have not even experimented with otherwise? They may have stuck yes. to beer. Yes, I think so. Does and that I, allow for the potential for the appreciation of you know producers uh, of 
you know, genuine and authentic practice and quality. I, I think so. Um, or does t- it take we, away from them? We talked a little bit about this in the, with the Rioja, but like, for example, Stone Boat, you know, mm-hmm. great little wine, and they definitely have a marketing team. Right. You know, you're not going to get the same, you're going to get information that's similar to what we have here on the Cannonball. Very little, but we trust the producer to... But why do we trust the producer? Well, that's this is kind of the problem, right? How, how do, like, we don't know what's in the wine. There's no ingredient list. Mm. We have no idea. We should get a bottle of Stoneboat and see if they list it. <laughs> um, we don't have any information on this wine, and I find that troubling. It's like a Twinkie. It's like a Twinkie. What? I mean, there's really nothing separating this from a Twinkie. Really. We don't know if it's healthy for us because we don't know what's in it. What could be? In we it? actually know what's in a Twinkie. That's well, the thing. No, the thing is, is, a Twinkie's actually, we actually have more information about a Twinkie <laughs> than we have. That's a fucking genius point. We have more information about a Twinkie and what's inside of a Twinkie than we have about what's inside this wine. And that oh, goes okay. for that goes well, for old world wine as well. That's actually really, that's really troubling because I, I would just assume that this has to be fermented grape juice. So now that you've said that, my question is, what what could be in this? Considering it's a it's a it's a wine from California, what are they what are they allowed to put in this? Stuff? Well, exactly. And for me, I think if you have any sort of palate, you know, this tastes like there, you know, could be some other. This tastes a little too perfect. It doesn't taste like, uh, you know, just. I guess. Just the food, just the honest earth. Just well, the, how how would you make something you know, as you said, perfect in this case? How would you round it out, mellow it like this, and make it like this every single time? All through you know industrial and mechanized winemaking techniques. What does that mean? What is uh, we're talking about? You know, stainless steel vats, which is fine. Stainless steel has been a great thing. Uh, just a lot of control, a lot of you know testing. Uh, we're talking about acidification, potential chapelization. Whoa, talking about whoa, whoa, what's that? dilution, you what's asked. That? Hold on. <laughs> talking about um, you know color manipulation. Uh, we're talking about um, you know micro oxygenation. We're talking about a lot of techniques that are used that are you know very scientific, which a lot of great wines also use. But to what ends and for what purpose and to what degree? We're we're looking at like as I said, we're looking at it looks it looks like the producers here are trying to get something to taste easy to taste um consistent consistent and, and pleasurable to an early to a new a novice wine drinker mm-hmm. someone with an untrained palate or or or, a, or a, um without the acquired taste mm-hmm. so to speak that is supposedly required to enjoy fine wine it's like a james patterson novel sure um so to me the, that manipulation becomes more dubious and more questionable uh because we we realize that they're not really emulating necessarily emulating any kind of style this does this wine doesn't taste like any great wine i've ever had hmm. it doesn't emulate the characters of any great wine i've ever had the characteristics so so in the end what were they trying to achieve like what what to what ends did they use those techniques uh, other than to make a wine that's consistent from year to year that doesn't change that supports its brand I mean, it's money, right? Yeah. You're aiming for a broad audience. You want to sell a lot, right? Absolutely. Who wants to please the masses unless you're trying to make money? Precisely. Or, or you're a politician. Precisely. So I guess, you know, everyone who makes wine is involved in business. Everybody. Um, and well, that's unavoidable. Th- you, you, you're always ma- There's always a gamble. You know, you're always gambling on something whether that's you decide to pick early because you're expecting rains um how much you know mediocre fruit you decide you can get away with using you know in your wine and still have a product that you're going to be proud of to put your name on whatever that is this is not anybody's name so um that's one thing to consider i I know i know what this is well tell me this is there's one word for this 
and it applies to the way it tastes. It applies to the branding. It applies to what perhaps were the intentions behind, you know, how they made this wine, how they decided to make it taste, and, you know, and what they were trying to go for in terms of, you know, their audience, their broad appeal, their, their sort of business plan. This wine is safe. Exactly. It's safe in almost every context except someone who knows, who's got a much more experienced palate, who's got a lot more experience with wine, and who knows a little bit more, who knows that if they're looking at a brand, you have to think about what's behind that logo. Exactly. And someone who actually investigates or at least wonders what's going to be behind that logo. Instead of just re- you know, reading the catchphrase on the front and being like, oh, that's cute. I'll get it for that reason when it probably has nothing to do with the taste of what's inside. So That's right. This is, this is a very safe wine. It's safe for the investors. It's safe for the owners. It's also safe for like most of the consumers, and that's why it has a broad appeal, you know? Oh, what should we what should we drink with the you know the steaks? We're having the the Joneses over next you know tomorrow. Oh, let's just get a couple of bottles of Cannonball. It'll be fine. <laughs> That'll be fine. You know that's a, that's a quintessential line for oh, let's be safe. You know, God forbid that, we take a you know we 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 go out a limb and get get a few strange bottles and we're like oh I just wanted to taste this stuff when when the funny thing is that would probably go over fine. God forbid you actually uh, you know were to find something that is guaranteed to be as pleasing uh for its own you know vinous virtues mm-hmm. um than something that's just pleasing for that word exactly because it was produced to be safe i mean god forbid it's like honestly i just uh you know this is where you know without not to isolate a consumer, not to say that any consumer that buys this is a bad person or, or made a bad decision. No, not at but, all. Um, but it's also to say that it, it's deeply unsatisfying to, well, to, be, to, to drink a product like this. To, to, that, that whole concept is to somebody who cares about food and wine, um, it's, it's a very deeply, deeply troubling and unsatisfying mm-hmm. concept to grapple with. And, and for that reason, I think, and never, never mind the fact that you know, the number of wines you can buy from around the world for the same price or less money than this wine that that demonstrate character of place in their you know through from from start to finish in a genuine fashion is there they cannot be counted stars in the sky so to spend you know 30 dollars on a wine like this to me is a deeply a deeply dissatisfying and and a little bit upsetting um, reality, but face. I I think that reality speaks speaks perfectly to the the reason why certainly I'm here and why I wanted us to you know sit down and talk about wine for you know over a, a bunch of bottles of wine and actually talk about this because what would <laughs> what I envision and would like just make me so happy is just the idea of you know someone who's cooking dinner maybe by themselves, and they're thinking about a, a dinner party that's coming up next week, and they're listening to this talk show, and they're hearing about the the Muga, the Rioja, and they're like, whoa, I just learned something about this Appalachian, and, and they can listen to that while they do something else. That's why, I, that's why I love podcasts. It's because, you know, you can, while you're doing all the other boring stuff in life, like, you know, cleaning the kitchen or cooking or working Cooking's out or stuff like boring. that. Well, okay, fair enough. But it, it's... It can be boring for the ears. <laughs> oh, I mean, in, in comparison to like the, the you know the nose, the eyes, and the and the mouth, I, I, th- I think the ears get the the short the short straw when it comes to cooking. Just a little bit, just a little. That's why I listen to jazz. You can, oh, yeah. People love listening to music while they cook. Why? Because you they want that the ears want that little extra bit of stimulation. But my whole point is like someone can be cooking, listening to this, learning about learning a little bit more about wine and then making a slightly better choice because the information that we're talking about that's behind the label that's behind the logo if it's not already on the label like with a you know, with a producer like the the Muga you know you have to go google that stuff and we're lazy busy creatures who don't 
have the uh, the time or the ability to like the wherewithal the wherewithal well it's also time you know no one wants to sit in a in a wine store like we did with blockbuster and just peruse the you know the shelves for hours and until we find a (laughs) until we find a cover that looks intriguing Hmm. and maybe read the back you know it's better if you hear a story about it and that's that's what i hope that's what i think we're doing here we're telling a story about cannonball the muga you know these all these wines that were we're tasting and it will give someone just an easier window into a more informed world with regards to wine that's what i hope i think and that's the you know hopefully there, there is a takeaway for for the listeners you know to this show is that you know ask yourself the question you know how honest is this product based on what is being presented to me and don't rule out the fact that there are exceptions there's always exceptions i mean if you knew, I mean, if listen, what I would love to do is, you know, have have Dennis Hill, who's the winemaker and um, one of the brain uh, the brains behind this brand. I'd love to have him sitting here and say, "Hey, Dennis, tell me about all the vineyards." What were you thinking? What were you? Th- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that. Literally, like, what, what were you thinking? thinking? I mean, like, no, really, Literally, what was your thought? What process? was going through your mind? What were you thinking? Um, where did this wine come from? Can you tell us? We always want to know how was it made. Tell us everything there is to know. We might think differently about it if that information was available. However, generally, and, and maybe it's because that is the kind of the MO of this wine is to not bog down consumers with that. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I don't, sure. But I don't see a reason why. You don't want an instruction manual. No one reads that shit. Well, that's not necessarily true. Well, not when it comes to wine, but I mean like, you know. Well, definitely when it comes to wine, we're, all we've been looking for, all we've been talking about this whole entire time is how we don't have an instruction <coughs> manual, but we're looking for one. And that's the big problem here. So we have to use our deductive reasoning to decide, you hey. to build your own instruction manual here. You know, so we have to kind of rely on the taste and experience to give us a bit of a hint as to what's going on. Um, but I don't see why. The other thing is that generally, unless the instruction manual, you know, has some instructions that are interesting, unless there is a story to tell that. It may add value to the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it isn't. It's it's omitted. Mm. Genuinely, the reason something was omitted because it it will detract value more than it will add. Keep it simple, stupid. No, not no? keep it simple, stupid. Not absolutely no, not at all. You don't think that's? No. Listen, listen to me, listen to me, Chester. <laughs> the reason why you ask yourself the question: Why did they not include all the information? Why did they not include on the website on a little sidebar, the very bottom of the page, in six size, you know, font face type? You know, why did they not include every single vineyard they source from, every, the name of every single grower? Why did they not include the production method? Why did they not include that? Because it would not add value to the brand. It would probably detract value. If you could. Imagine if you're Cannonball, okay? Does that does, are you saying that, that that information is then kind of questionable and suspect? I'm not necessarily saying that, but I'm what I am asking is <coughs> if it wasn't, why would you not include it? And even if some of it was interesting, why would you not include that? Why would you not want to get that consumer as well? I mean, if 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 this wine is really about sales and marketing and business, why don't you want to increase your reach by saying, "Hey, hey sommeliers, guess what?" This is where it comes from. Yeah, we call it California because we source from two Appalachians that are unrelated, that they're not from the North Coast. We source, let's say, something from Central Valley, and we source from Sonoma County. Um, so we can't. We have to call it California. Well, I've seen wines from California that are sourced from two vineyards in different, um, you know, general AVA areas. So they can't be called a specific AVA. They can't be called Central Valley. They can't be called North Coast X Y Z. It's still nice to know that hey, it's a wine that represents two vineyards character that's still very interesting and it falls outside of the rules so it loses a bit of its cachet but hey don't pay attention to the fact that it says california pay attention that hey we actually have a story that's worth telling that adds value Hmm. if that story added value why not include it if the ingredients on the label added value why not include it okay what, what about this point perhaps in order to get something as sort of safe and mellow and consistent and mass produced as cannonball all of that information that you're talking about that we don't get to see on the Cannonball label or the Cannonball website is actually way too complex. Maybe they're sourcing from dozens of vineyards. They're, they're, they probably are if they're making this Absolutely much. Absolutely they are. 
So, you know, why have a laundry list of vineyards and then another laundry list of like uh, manufacturing techniques. Oh, we use a little bit of this. We use a little bit of microoxidization. We, you know, this and that. And then it's like, well, hell. As a, as a new winemaking term, microoxidization. What What did you say earlier? Microoxygenation. Oh, microoxygenation. Okay, there we go. You know, we use a little bit of this. We, you know, we throw a little pepper in it, some salt, <laughs> some magic fairy dust. <laughs> we waterboard Tinkerbell. You know, right. <laughs> because and here's why they, they, here's why they haven't done that is because the information that would be presented uh, in this wine to the people who would care about it would not would be less interested in the wine and it would confirm their suspicions. Uh, and to the people who is it confirming their suspicions or is it confirming your suspicions? I think I am, I am there. I am there when you say their suspicions that I am them. OK, I was thinking you were talking about like this, this sort of. The mass market that kind of needs who, a the, logo. The reason is the people who drink this wine don't care about those things. Not yet. Yet, and and, and like I said, you know, they're not. They realize that the, if they could provide that information, the people who are willing to read them will not be swayed by it. Hmm. So there's therefore. So it's superfluous information in, with regards to that business. We we can assume. I, I'm going to assume that. Okay. Still an assumption. Still an assumption. Prove us wrong. Hey, Cannonball, get Talk in touch. To Talk to us. Talk to me, Goose. <laughs> we want to know. We want the information. Watch out for that canopy. <laughs> <laughs> we hope your canopy management is uh, in top form. <laughs> um, okay. What do we want to say to the drinkers of this wine? Uh. I mean, if you're having your in-laws over, sure. If you're having your your in-laws over and you'd like to politely insult them in a Chaucerian way, maybe, uh, you know, fork over. Fork over 60 doll hairs or so and and pick up a couple bottles. Or don't. Because you're better than that. You know what? Buy a bottle of it. Buy a bottle of something else that, that you know is interesting. That looks a little bit more interesting in terms of, like, information on the label. And then switch them. <laughs> Listen, we pour spent, the bottles out and pour them back into the other bottle. We spent thirty dollars today to prevent you from wasting thirty dollars on something that's not going to add value to your life. It's just going to get you drunk in well, a pleasant it, and easy way. It's not wasting it if this is what you want. Like, this is not what you want. That's an assumption too, is it not? Yeah, I'll get blasted for that, but I don't care. Well, you know, I still want to talk to the person who picks this up and drinks it and is like, hmm, this is, I like this. I like this a lot. If you like this, there are other wines you'll also like. But, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> fair enough. But I think that's... Safe speak, assumption? I think that speaks <laughs> to the point is like, you know, if anyone can think about some sort of hobby or interest that they have, and if they trace that hobby or interest back to like the very beginnings of it, and think about what they were obsessed with or really liked at the very beginning of that hobby or interest. Is it the same as what it is now? Probably not, you know, because as you get into something, you discover the nuances of it. And then, you know, your initial heroes or the, you know, the initial points of interest that got you into that thing, you start to see them in a more nuanced and accurate and precise light and then you're like oh i can see how that got me interested in this but now i'm way more interested in these aspects you know so like this could be like entry level wine for you know maybe the the college student the university student who has no time to actually research this stuff oh yeah so you're saying you're telling me the the college student's going to be spending 30 dollars on this wine no but their parents might (laughs) i call bullshit Um, i mean probably Probably. Maybe not this one. But, you know, it's interesting you say that. This is another, you know, interesting point. I, I saw a post on Instagram the other day from a, um, f- uh, a former um, former peer of mine in the Vancouver wine business who now works in Toronto. And she posted a bottle, uh, posted a picture of a bottle of wine. And she said, hey, this might not be the most interesting example of this varietal. Um, and it was kind of a wine like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was... 
the can bottle I, that really got me into wine. I don't want to. I'm not going to name any names here. Okay. But um. But personally, for you, it was the bottle that got you into wine. That's what. No, that was the post this 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 former peer was making. Oh, I see. Like, hey, this is the wine that you know is nostalgic for me because this was the, one of the one wines that got me really excited about it. Got exactly. Me That's exactly the sort of point I'm thinking about. You know, I mean, imagine. So there is something here, but you know, we are aiming to express that process for people and say, Hey, don't bother. Like go right or, to the good stuff. Or don't always stick with, you know, if yeah, tr- maybe try the cannonball if you like it, then, but keep exploring. Don't try it. Oh, come on. Don't try. Until- Everyone's got to read catcher in the rye before they get to all the King's men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Hey, if you, if your question is, uh, and I think, listen, let's not forget, like we all want to save one, two, ten. $20 in a bottle of wine. We all want to buy something for $12 that is genuinely awesome for us that we can feel good about. We don't all have $30 to spend on a bottle of wine once a week, once a day, twice a day, once a month. Um, should, should that be a, you know, a point of focus for us on this talk show? Well, it, well, it's a point of focus. Regardless of that, that's not important. What is important is that... Um, this is the situation we're in. We're dealing with a thirty-dollar bottle of wine here. So I'm we're not, talking about like I'm don't not be, don't be say, fooled by a brand and a price. I'm not prepared to say, "Hey, everyone, go out and buy this for thirty dollars." Are you fucking kidding me? No, not at all. Not I, a chance. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I you know I wasn't I wasn't really thinking. If this too much was ten dollars from California, I'd be fucking sure. shocked. It yeah. wouldn't happen because California is expensive. Land is expensive. Mm-hmm. The U.S. dollar is very very is, is a lot stronger than the Canadian dollar. So we don't. And it would never happen. That's why so you don't you're ca- saying if you're going to spend $30, put just two more minutes of thought into it. Absolutely. Like the 30 more seconds like, more of thought into it. Go to the old, go to Italy or Spain, you know, go to France, you know, go to, go, go to BC. But what about those people who are convinced that they, oh, I just love those big California reds, you know, then do a little more research and get smart, get strong. Well, that's what we're here for, buddy. That's what we're here for. We need to find. That's a, what we're saying. So we need to fa- find so a listen, California cab that's worth its salt. We've got a few, but we're not, we're gonna and we're gonna get there. But the, my po- the point is here is that, like, save thirty dollars. You don't need to buy this wine. This wine's not gonna rock your world. It's not interesting. It's nothing but safe. There's no story behind it that is actually tangible or that we can find or real that we can find. Um, try something else. You know, I would like to save everybody who's interested in this style of wine, this category. I'd like to save you thirty dollars. Fair enough. Um, that's pretty much in the story. And I, I'm, you know, very, you know, again, we're not really, I'm not really sorry to anybody. I'm not really sorry to the producer here. They're going to be fine. Oh, There's lots of people I who are going to drink they're this doing wine. Just fine. And uh, anyway, like I said, and we congratulate, we congratulate, you know, um, the people at Cannonball for for achieving what yeah, they, they, they set s- out to do. And there's a lot to be said for there that. There is a lot to know? be said for that, and we respect that, and we respect that as a business. Uh, and, and again, and w- do we think that this wine does not have a place to introduce you know, wine drinkers to something that they can access and consume easily? Um, what we're saying is if, you know, I really feel this show for me is a conversation between two people, that's Chester, the Nightfly Northfield, and me, <laughs> Stephen Lane, that care, um, that are information hungry uh, and experienced um, to a certain degree in the business of wine, um, we want to have a conversation that stimulates those of you who are listening who really want to take your knowledge and experience to the next level, who want to authenticize your wine experience. That's what we're here for. That's what we want to achieve. That's what we want to have um, a conversation about with, with anyone who's listening. And therefore, you know, these recommendations, you know, if you can call them that, um, are rooted in that ideal. And to build on that, like, th- this might seem like a bit of a reach right now, but in 10 years, 15 years, certainly not. I mean, Cannonball, you're, you're going to have to do something a little bit more interesting. As time goes by, the mass market is going to get more educated. They're going to get more precise with regards to what they like. You know, like, look, look what happened. Look what's happened to like craft beer. You know, everyone wants the local beer. Everyone wants to discover what's happening around the corner and how that d- differs from like eight blocks away where there's a different brewery. You know, 
what if what if something very similar started happening to the wine world and it's like well you know i really want to i really want to taste what's happening on that slope you know (laughs) that's where it's always been with wine and that's where it's headed and the only thing that's separating wine from beer in that respect is that beer can be much more easily yeah you can have a pint of it you don't have to buy a bottle of it but even that's changing well, and, a little bit. You know, there's a lot of places that have wine on tap, so you you can you yeah, can but, taste four ounces. Well, no, but you, what you need to understand, Chester, is that wine on tap is not coming from that slope. Fair enough. Fair enough. Not yet. Not yet. I said this, this is probably a bit of a reach right no, now. No, 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 no. You what? No, oh, oh. You need to understand something. That beer is 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 not a finite product the way wine is. Hmm. Explain that. That's that's an interesting. Um, Okay, do you think that all those breweries, you know, you know, in, well, where we are in this vicinity, there's, I don't know how many hundred there are in Vancouver. Well, do you think a good handful of them are not using the same hops? There's like three or four within. They're not using similar. Five blocks how many here. are using the same, you know, bags of malt, the same bags of hops? I mean, I'm not saying everyone's using the same stuff, but they have components which are much more readily reproducible and less determinant by yeah, specific so, growing seasons and vintages. Absolutely. So it makes their product repeatable. We don't have that luxury in wine. It's not a thing about wine. That slope is not going to reproduce itself except for what it does every single year one time. This is different every single year. We can't. That slope is not going to work its way into wine on tap. It's just not going to happen because that slope is valuable. That slope has a character. Wines that taste like that slope, they're already expensive. Hmm. They're already prohibitively expensive to most people hmm. and they're limited that's why you know that the, the, the appreciation between and the the knowledge of wine over beer is so much different and and beer can be replicated there's beer is actually there's more infinite possibilities wine has to come from that one place hmm. right i'm not saying that it can't be mechanized the same way but when you mechanize it it, it kind of automatically becomes uninteresting beer is the other way interesting Right? That's it's point. more like how you mechanize it makes it interesting. <coughs> hmm. I, I still want to see something more interesting from Cannonball. I mean, listen, I, you're not going to do much more for, you know. I don't know. I think the human population is getting smarter as time goes by. If they want to lose money, they could do something more interesting. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, no, I agree. If with you, you want to do some more interesting, but, it's going to cost you fifty dollars. Okay, well, th- think about. So like, you got to. You can't really. We can't really say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that to them. I'd say, you know, what you do. If you're doing what you're doing is successful, you know, have at it or keep making money. Yeah, I suppose. So. That's kind of how I feel with them. I'm like, hey, great. You know, you seem like nice enough people. Like, you know, you, you know, your wine doesn't totally. Your wine doesn't suck. Uh, you know, if you're if people want to pay thirty bucks for it. You've done something cool. You've done, you've you've achieved success in business. You've, you know, achieved success in, in marketing and distribution and all these these things. I mean, you're business people. You're successful. Um, you know, you you're not you're not seeking approval from, the sommelier community. That's not your goal. So why should we care whether we like it or not? We shouldn't. Yeah, and we don't. I mean, this talk show is just for the. It's it's for a fairly it's for anybody. It's for anybody, but it's for a fairly niche group of people who have the time to listen to a podcast and are interested about wine. I want to go a little bit. Who want? <laughs> who want to dive in a little bit deeper? Dive in, if you dare. <sighs> You've been listening to my bitch and wine talk show. With Chester the Nightfly Northfield and your host, that's me, Stephen Thomas Lane. We'll see you next week for episode four. Keep it in the short breath. Three. This is bitching. <laughs> Just drink it, all right? Chester, have you opened the wine yet? Show on the road, please. Did you bring the wine? I got the wine. <laughs> what do you think this is? Some kind of bitchin' wine talk show? 